Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 2 today. I feel like I have a strong word. I feel like God's going to speak to us. He's going to help us. How many, how many of you know that you're getting ready to go to a new level? Oh, you, you, didn't, you didn't receive that right. You're getting ready to go to a new level. God's got more for your life. And I'm speaking directly to you. God's got more for your life you got to be ready to receive, receive it. Give you a little context of Deuteronomy chapter 2. After the Lord delivered the nation of Israel from Egyptian slavery and affliction, He led them to the Sinai wilderness, a place of transition and preparation. Don't despise wilderness seasons for your life. Anybody ever went through some things and you're like, man, why am I going through this? I don't know if you knew this or not, but seeds grow in darkness. Boy, somebody better help me right now. Those seasons where it seems everything's dark, God's really growing something in your life. These are times when your resolve, commitment, maturity, and discipline are tested before you can step into the more that God has in store for your life. You've got to keep walking and seeking and reaching. In the wilderness, God entered a covenant with them and gave them His law in the wilderness. He gave them the infrastructure to conquer new territory and sustain them when they stepped into what was next. One year later, they departed Mount Sinai and God led them to the edge of the promised land. However, because the people feared the inhabitants of Canaan and had a negative report, somebody shout a negative report, they refused to take possession of what God had promised them. And following the failure at Kadesh, God told the Israelites to turn back and head into the wilderness. It had already been well over a year since they had left Egypt. So from this point, the nation had spent 38 years wandering around. And we pick up what happens next. Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness. In the direction of the Red Sea, as the Lord told me. For many days, we traveled around Mount Seir. Then the Lord said to me, you have been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Turn northward. You've been walking in the same circle long enough. You've been doing the same things, getting the same results long enough. Turn. We can stop right there. Y'all not, you ready for altar call? That's it. That's the message. At some point, you got to break the cycle and you got to go into what God wants you to have. Verse 4, and command the people, you are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you, so be very careful. Verse 5, do not contend with them, for I will not give you any of their land. He's telling them, fight the right battles. Some battles you're fighting ain't your battle to fight. 
And you're losing spiritual battles because your attention is focused on the wrong things. He said, I didn't give you that land. But you've been baited in to fight in that battle that you're missing out on this land. No, not so much for the sole of the foot to tread on because I've given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. If we're not careful, we will follow God to the point of inconvenience, but no further. And a wilderness that was supposed to be a seasonal moment in our life will become a lifestyle. And we won't know any other way to live but in the wilderness. Always waiting, always wondering, always grumbling, always questioning. Yet the spiritual turning point is when the pain of staying the same becomes more significant than the pain of change. And I've showed up today to wake somebody up to a new possibility and a new reality. It's time for you to stop wondering and it's time for you to start possessing. You're not what you used to be. You're not going back to what you used to be. Now step into what God has next for your life. I'm going to preach on this topic today. Then we turn. Then we turn. Same old, same old ends today. Lack ends today. Woo. We're turning. We're focusing on the things that God wants us to focus on. Will you help me pray before I get into this today? I done got into it. We're going to get into it more. God, help you. Help me today, God. I need your presence. I need your anointing, God. Help me to preach with your authority, God, but also with your compassion and your love and your grace toward these great people, God. God, help us to leave here full, not empty. Help us to leave here changed, God, with a new mentality. I pray that over those watching online and everybody here. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Now, if you're going to help me preach, give him one more hand clap of praise, and you may be seated today. I recently read about a veteran mountain climber who shared his experiences with a group of novices preparing for their first major climb. He said, remember this. Your goal is to experience the exhilaration of the climb and the joy of reaching the summit. Each step draws you closer to the top, so enjoy it. He said, but if your purpose for climbing is just to avoid death, your experience will be minimal. And the same is true in the kingdom of God. I know people that are living for God just to get to heaven. I know people that say all the time, I'm just ready to go. Take me today, Lord. I'm ready. And look, I'm, I'm looking forward to heaven. There's an expectation in my spirit. I can't wait to get there. But if all you are focused on is dying, you'll live a life of minimum joy and minimum fulfillment, circling the same area and barely getting by. You know what the word says? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is uh, in heaven. He's calling us to a life that is full and overflowing today. You don't have to wait just to get to heaven to have joy and peace and the presence of God with you every day. It's here right now. You felt it. Heaven's on earth today. Look, they got angels that are circling the throne. Holy, holy, holy. And here we are being redeemed, sanctified. The angels don't get to experience what redemption feels like. 
But we do. And that's why we're here today. And I'm not going to let their holy be louder than my praise. I've been redeemed. I know what it was like to be lost. And I know what it's like to be found. He's been too good to me for me to remain silent. Isaiah 10 and 27 says, says this. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Has anybody ever read that and questioned what that means? I have. Because in my mind, in my mind, you have this yoke that's on an ox. How does pouring anointing oil on that yoke get that ox free from that yoke that's on it? And I always question. I said, that don't make no sense. How does anointing oil? If I had some oil up here right now, it's oil. Sure, we can go and take some and put it on the door hinges and they won't squeak, but it ain't setting no door free. It's still going to be on the hinges. So I said, man, what, what in the world does that mean? And, and I, I got to studying and looking, and I found that the word used here which the KJV translates as anointing, isn't the typical Hebrew word used for anointing. It can also mean fat, F-A-T. This is why some translations have gone for a translation like this, because you have grown so fat, the yoke can no longer bind you. Because you've gotten so full of God, the things the enemy tries to put on you can't keep you any longer. The ox was so full and fat that the yoke controlling it and leading it in a circle was destroyed. You know what this verse is telling me? If you're being controlled by every plight of the enemy and every tactic, then you are living a depleted spiritual life. Because we can get so full of the Holy Spirit that everything the enemy puts on us is completely broke. Look. Some of you can't wear the same suit coat you did when you was 20. Oh, you tried. You got one arm in it. You try to reach it over to the other arm. He's like, it ain't going to work, baby. It ain't going to work. I don't know what happened. I can tell you what happened. You got fat. It's happened to everybody. And if you put that suit coat on, guess what's going to happen? You're going to rip that suit coat. And the same thing needs to happen in the spiritual. The longer we end this, we don't. The enemy shouldn't be able to put the same things that he put on us two years ago. We full of the Holy Spirit. We're not what we. Boy, y'all better help me today. The enemy shouldn't be able to put that on us. I done got fat in the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says the fat belongs to the Lord. God wants to set some people free today. But hear me, not just from the yoke of, of sin or addiction, but from the yoke of complacency and negativity. Oh, I said negativity. The problem was destroying a lot of what God wants to do and limiting is not addiction. It's not sin. It's not our past. It's negative thinking after we've been brought out of those things. Jesus went to his hometown and he could do very little because their faith and perspective limited him. He still had all power in heaven and earth, but they wouldn't allow him to do what he showed up to do. That's why David said he anoints my head with oil. That's what David said. David said he anoints my head. What David is saying is he anoints my thinking. He anoints my mind. He anoints my mentality. I can't think like I used to think. I'm anointed to be king. I can't think like I used to think out there in the field when nobody knew who I was. When I killed that giant, every enemy knew who I was. I've got to think like a conqueror because there's more giants that are coming after me. I can't think like I used to think. 
Watch, 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 what, watch, what, watch, what, watch what my buddy old David said. He said he anoints my head with oil. I was going to pour this on my head, but I can't do it. Hairspray coming up that bald spot back there if I pour it on. He said he anoints my head with oil. My cup. You can't live in the overflow under first you get your thinking in alignment with the way God wants you to think and what. Don't let people tell you, oh, you, you're doing good. This is all God's got for you. Oh, look how far you come. He's done just enough for you. No, he's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. He can supply all my needs. You got to anoint your head and stop living beneath where God wants you to live. He is my El Shaddai. He is more than enough. You better slap your neighbor and tell him he's more than enough. And here's the problem. Has anybody looked at what's going on in our world? Slap them like you mean it. Nah, I'm just playing. Y'all calm down. I can tell you, tell you, I can tell you, there's a lot going on in our world. A lot. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Get on Google. Don't get on Google. Get on WAFB or Fox News. There's a lot going on in our world. So tired of reading about politics, but I keep reading about them. I don't get it. I'm tired of it, but I keep reading. No self-control whatsoever. God help me. The world's a mess. Place we live in is a mess. And in this day, shame on the church. If people come in here for safety and for all and for anointing and for fullness, and the church is in the same mess that the world's in. People show up and say, I need to get full. Well, we ain't got enough oil for you. We only got enough oil for me because he is just enough of a God. We don't have time for all this church in this day and time. I don't have time for convenient church. I don't have time for you to come and sit here and hear a pretty sermon and go home the way that you came. Do you know what we need? We need demonstration of the Spirit. We need people to know you can walk in here one way, but you can leave another way. We need people to know he can heal. He can deliver. He can set free. He can turn your life around. You don't have to go. I need somebody to get with me this morning and say, I have faith enough to believe. God's getting ready to demonstrate. His anointing is here. There is power here. Come on, I feel something breaking. I feel something breaking. The enemy's been trying to put doubt and fear on you, but I feel something shifting in the spirit. Paul said, Paul said it, Paul said my speech, my message, my message is not plausible words of wisdom, but demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I've said this before, but I feel it today. We need oil. We need demonstration. We don't need, we don't need normal weapons. We don't need, we don't need knives and guns. Some of you just got mad take my gun everywhere I go that's good hey do you don't don't be shooting nobody though we don't need all that you know we need spiritual weapons the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds is there anybody anointed enough for somebody to say they got a stronghold in their life and you tell them I got enough oil
I don't have just enough oil. I'm overflowing. I got enough oil. Look, our life needs to be so full of the spirit that you go into somebody's home to visit them and you know they're having trouble. And you get there and you talk to them and you drink their coffee and, and you eat their food. Because that's always, that, that's the main part of visitation is drink the coffee, eat the food. Tell them, make some brownies, get some cheesecake. If I'm coming, let, let's eat. But when you leave there, they call you the next day and say, man, you came to my house and we was in chaos and me and my spouse, it was her fault, but we were fighting and <laughs> kids were acting up and man, just it felt like, felt like all hell was breaking loose in my house. And you walked into my house and when you left, something shifted. I can tell you. When I walked into your house, I was so full of the Holy Spirit, I left only footprints when I walked out. I walked across your threshold, dropping oil everywhere. That's how much anointing we need. That when we go on our job, people say, oh, something's different. I can tell you what's different. I am living in the overflow. You know what makes this place relevant? I'm not going to finish this. Can I finish this next week? I'm not going to finish it today. Can I just preach? I want to follow the Holy Spirit. Do you know what makes this place relevant? Look at this screen. Look at that guy. Bro, how you doing? Look, he's over here too. I'm three places at one time. My guy. Look at this. Brother Michael built this screen. He did. Look how pretty that is. That's nice, ain't it? Look at this drum cage. Hoo-wee. Brother Chris looks like a fish in a fishbowl in there. <laughs> People look. How you got in there? Look, I'm, I'm thankful. God's been good to us. He told us to build this building. Look around. We, we had to build this building. We had to build it. But do you know what makes this place relevant? It's not the cool screens, it's not the lights, it's not the beautiful building. But relevance in this hour is can we help someone who is addicted when they walk into this place? Relevance in this hour is can they walk in and say, man, I felt something. Something was happening. There was something shaking. They walked in here hopeless, but they leave here full of hope. They walked in here depressed, but they got joy because somebody understands that he is El Shaddai. He is more... Listen, when broken families show up here, will there be enough oil for restoration? When those who get a bad doctor's report and they, they, walk, they walk into this place and they're discouraged and they're like, man, I just got this report. Is there somebody with enough oil to look at them and say, hey, I've been living in the overflow. And let me tell you, thank God for doctors and thank God for the medical field, but they're not God. And you know the God I serve is El Shaddai? He shall supply all your needs. People need a miracle. Is there a place they can go? Do we still believe in miracles? Do we still? Do we still believe? I'm telling you, you think I'm crazy. I walk into North Oaks to go pray for somebody. And this is my prayer. God, if you can use the shadow of a man in the Bible to bring healing, let me walk by somebody's hospital room that I'm not even going to pray for. Preacher, you lost your mind. No, no, I got enough faith to say if they did it in the Word, I... The book of Acts didn't end with amen. It ended with to be continued. And we got to have a church that is full of oil.
my family, my family doesn't need a quick fix. My family needs a breakthrough in the spirit. My children don't, they, they don't need you. They don't need you to give them a motivational speech. My children, my family, they need you to have oil in your life. Our communities don't need just another church that shows up and preaches a pretty sermon and sings three songs and goes home. No, our community needs a church that has oil flowing down its aisles. Now, I'm not talking about Old Testament oil. We're not pouring oil on anybody. Olive oil stains. I messed up a whole church. I had to go tell him I was sorry. I preached up a message about David's anointing, and I poured oil over chairs and over people's heads. That church had to change their chairs and their carpet. I was going to tell them to send me the bill, but I didn't. <laughs> didn't want to do it, but I did say I'm sorry. <laughs> so I told them I'm sorry. I'm not talking about pouring olive oil on your head, but oil in the Old Testament symbolizes the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And I want there to be so much anointing in this place that people are at their chair and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls on them and God begins to set them free. It wasn't a show. It wasn't a scene. All, we just know that there's people overflowing. Listen, I'm going to say this. God, help me. Forgive me if I'm wrong. If people can sit by you and not feel nothing, you might be living a life half full. I don't want to look like a church. I want to operate like a church. And when people walk in here from darkness, will they find oil? Because no man, no one can come to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. And we need a move of the Holy Spirit that exceeds our logic and leads people to the overflow. Now watch this. I'm almost done. I'm only going to preach 30 minutes. This is going to be part two next week. 9 a.m., I don't know what they're going to get. I preached the whole thing at 9. They wasn't as rowdy as y'all are right now. Y'all just pulling the word out of me, just pulling the word out of me. Now watch this. David said, my head, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. But do you know how that, that chapter ends? 23 and 6. Psalm 23 and 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Come on, there's benefits to living a life that is overflowing. Now, now here, here's where I got to get. I often wonder, what in the world does that mean? I'm telling you, if you don't study like I, I study, you need to start asking these questions. I didn't understand the anointing destroys the yoke. I, the yoke got too fat. The ox got too fat. He couldn't wear the yoke anymore. It destroyed the yoke. And with this scripture, I always wonder, and this is what I read, shepherds often have sheepdogs. And these sheepdogs keep the sheep from wandering. The divine shepherd has two sheepdogs named goodness and mercy. And they follow everybody who are living in the overflow. Everybody. I barked at 9 a.m. I'm not barking at 11 a.m. You see, some of us here today, we only hear the hounds of hell coming after us. Be honest. How many of you say the enemy's trying to get me? The enemy is after me. Hounds of hell trying to get you. Some of you live with this mentality. I got through that, but there's another wave of depression coming on my life. I feel it. It's, it's on. Her. 
because that's all the enemy wants you to hear. But if you're living, if you're living with your cup half full, and you're always praying, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, but you're not praying, God, anoint my mind. Some people start with the anointing from the feet up, but it never makes it to the head. <laughs> They anoint it from the top of the head to the soles of their feet. And look, and when you live a life half full, your hearing never gets anointed. And faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Some of you right now, you got so much oil that every word I throw out, you grab it. Oh, that's my word. I got it. Other people, you can't hear what I'm saying because the enemy, on, he's, he's allowed you to think that you're safe being only half full right now. So your head isn't anointed. Your thinking isn't anointed. Your ears aren't anointed. But I've showed up today to tell somebody that God wants you to stop hearing what hell is sending after you. And he wants you to be so full of the spirit that you hear goodness and mercy getting ready. Something bad isn't coming to get you, but I can tell you what's on its way. Goodness and mercy. The enemy can have a tactic and a plan, but I can tell you God's getting ready. He's getting ready to give you abundance. He's getting ready to give you more than you deserve. He's getting ready to bring you to another. Come on, surely goodness and mercy. That's without question. That's I have no doubt. Surely goodness and mercy. Musicians, you could come. Y'all thought I was playing. I ain't playing. I feel it. I, we'll get to Deuteronomy 2. We go in there because right now I'm trying to get you to understand if we're going to break the cycle, you got to get more in the spirit. you got to get to a place to where you pray an hour and it feels like you've been praying 10 minutes. Baby, it's been, it's been an hour. I felt like I've been praying. Right now, some of us, we pray 10 minutes. It feels like an hour. <laughs> Hello, me, guilty. God, I, I've, been, I've been praying 10 minutes in. Man, I don't know what else to say. Look, when you don't know what else to say, listen. Meditate. But I feel this down in my spirit today. And we'll talk about them because they had to break the cycle. They had to break the negativity. And I've got a lot to say. And I know some of you are thinking, why you only preach 25 minutes? Because I'm telling you, we have to get the oil fixed before we get to a place to where we're stepping in to what God has for us. And I thought, I looked at that scripture where he said, my cup, my cup is overflowing. I looked at that and I said, man, that's powerful. That's powerful. My cup is overflowing. And the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. That's powerful. My cup is overflowing. He said, but part of the reason, this is what the Holy Spirit is impressing on me. Part of the reason that I can't give them more oil is they're not willing to change cups. Some of you have been set free from the darkest addictions. People can't even fathom. And you've left, physically, you've left being bound. But you still have the posture. He got them out of Egypt. We'll talk about it next week in one night. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them mentally. And it's so easy for God to get us out of what we were in 
But our default posture is that of I'm bound. Nobody's for me. Everybody's out to get me. I'm a victim. I'm just not good enough. Man, this ain't happening in my life. It's, it's, it's their fault I am where I am. So-and-so don't like me, man. If they would like me, no, 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 no. You've left, you've left the bondage of Egypt. But every time something happens in your life, you go back to the posture. Every time something happened that they didn't agree with, what did they tell Moses? Moses, Moses. Oh, that was when the Lord called him. My bad. They told him. They said, Moses, let's go back. Moses said, go back to what? Look at your back. Look at, look at the scars where they beat you with a whip. You had to eat when they told you to eat. And now here you are. God took you out. You cried, get us out. God got you out. And now something doesn't go your way. You're like, man, if I just go back, I might go back. Problem is, you changed scenery, but you never changed cups. Bitterness, anger, resentment. Water gonna choke me. <laughs> Bad attitude. You don't wore that patch of grass out. There ain't no more grass there. It's gone, but, but I don't know how to live any other way. All I know how to do is be negative. That's all I have. Mom and daddy were negative. Hey, if there can be generational curses, they can, there can be generational blessings. And some of you don't have to walk in the same circle that your parents walked in. You can break out of that today. You just got to be willing to change. Uh... Let's stand. I'm done. So I said, what, what is this cup business? What, what is it? What is the cup business? What do you mean? And I would love to say that God took me to Isaiah, but really I Googled it. And I said, where, the word cup, where is it at in the Bible? And I found this. I feel like the Holy Spirit led me to this. Isaiah 51 and 22. Thus says your Lord, the Lord your God, who pleased the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken from your hand. The cup of staggering. I've taken from your hand the cup of trembling. The bowl of my wrath you will drink no more. And immediately the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, I'm getting ready to take from their hand the cup of chaos. Somebody better get it. The cup of trouble, storms, and fear, and intimidation, and torment, and addiction, and shame, and guilt, and negativity. And he said, I'm going to put a bigger cup in their hand. And it's going to be a cup of anointing. You may not have no more money one day, but you'll have a cup. People will walk out of your life, but you'll have a cup. Things may not always be going right, but you'll have a have a cup. And I know what some of you are saying, why are you in the Old Testament? Well, let's go to the new Bible closing stand. Preacher, you lost your mind. Well, what did Jesus say? John 10 and 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it more. Then why are you living that way? Every time somebody sees you, I'm struggling, brother. You're going to struggle your whole life with that mentality. And I'm not being rude and I'm not being condescending. I'm just here to tell you that there is more that God wants to do in your life than what the enemy's trying to tell you. 
There is more. You got to break loose and break. It's time to break some cycles today. You are a prison shaker. You are a mountain mover. You are a giant killer. You're an anointed conqueror of the enemy. That's why the devil wants to get a hold on you. Because he knows if you ever get loose. If you ever get loose. If you ever get loose. He knows if you ever get free. He knows. He knows if you ever break out. Listen. 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 He knows if you ever get loose. And if you ever break free. And you ever get out of the thinking. Listen. I'm a. I'm guilty. I am guilty. I am guilty. Listen, I'm guilty, Brother Ralph. I get negative thinking constantly. I can be, I can be sarcastic, Brother Will. I can, be, I can be condescending. I can think. But God wants to break that today.